Ishmael and Hannity come up and testify. Good morning, everybody. Who's excited to be at church today? Come on, make some noise. Man, God is good. You know, around New Year's time, we, always, we often ask ourselves, like, God, what is, the, what is your will for my life, you know? What do you want me to do, right? Does anybody ask themselves that? What is the will? What is your will? So, I, you know, growing up as a Christian and, you know, getting, you know, backsliding and then coming to Jesus when I was ni- 19 years old, I'd constantly ask God that, what is your will for my life? And it wasn't until really the Lord showed me what his will was and the word was surrender. You know? It's not like, uh, it's not that hard. <laughs> to figure out the will of God. You know, we bust our heads open like, what, 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 what do you want me to do, God? What, you know, even the coming in new, you're like, God, what do you want me to do this year? Like, what is your will for my life? And it's real simple. In, in uh, Romans chapter 12, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, His will for us in this year is surrender. Amen? Surrender. Surrender to his mind. Surrender to his heart. Surrender to his thoughts. When I caught that revelation, I'm going to tell you something. My life just changed because I was able to trust Jesus with my life just by surrendering it all to him. So just lift up your hands right now and say, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender my will. I'm not trying to figure it out anymore, Jesus. I'm not trying to work my way up. I'm not trying to strain a vein to figure out, Lord, what you have planned for me. I know your plans, God. You know your plans. They're plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope and a future, Lord Jesus. This year, God, I surrender to you. Come on, say, I surrender. We surrender, Jesus. Father God, thank you for today. Bless this service as we lay it all out in Jesus' name. Amen.
with all our strength. Come on, would you determine in your hearts right now and in your own words what you're going to give the Lord in 2016. Come on, before we sing this next song that's called With Everything, with your own hearts and your own words, say it right now to the Lord. God, I give you this. We give you our worship, Lord. We give you our praise. We give you our lives, our finances, our families, our hopes, our dreams. Jobs, our friends.
come return our pride.
everything, with everything, we will shout forth your Everything with everything. Oh, we give it all with everything, oh Lord. Oh, some time for the Lord right now. And specifically, if you have a word from the Lord, we're a church that believes in the, gift of the gifts of the Spirit and believes that God can speak to us and use us. And let's start this year off right. Come on, does anyone have a word here in the house of the Lord? If that word is for you, come on, just place your hand over your heart. God wants all of you. It's time to stop putting one foot in and one foot out. the spirit of the Lord just showing you right now, just revealing to you what that looks like for you. Come on, with all eyes closed in this place, it's easy to get excited. It's easy to get lost in the hype and the sound of the music. But when the Lord starts revealing it to you, would you listen? Do you take heed? Do you pay close attention? Or do you quickly say, no, that's not it. Maybe it's something else. Do you quickly start seeing the blessings, a new job, Maybe this, maybe that. Maybe God's pointing in your life and saying, man, that sin right there, that habit, that attitude, the way you treat so-and-so, the way you've been talking to your husband, the way you've been talking to your wife. Come on, the way you treat your children. 
Maybe it starts right there, and the Lord's revealing it to you right now. With everything, what does it look like to go all in for God? Is it all roses? Are we smiling all the time? Or do we go through some things? Do we suffer? Holy Spirit, would you come? We don't want to be full off of what we think Christianity is and what you're calling us to do by our own interpretation of what feels right. But we want the Holy Spirit of the Lord to come shake us and stir our hearts to more, to greater, to be bold in our faith. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come. Stir up what we've conceived, what we've built up in our own comforts, in our own pleasures. And show us, God, what you desire for our lives, for our hearts. We ask that you start with the things that we've turned our eye from, the thing that we looked away from, God, the thing that we've ran from. And you keep bringing back to this time of worship. to the fatherless defender of the weak the freedom for the prisoner we sing Father to the fatherless defender of the weak freedom for the prisoner we sing this is God this is God in His holy place. This is God clothed in love and strength. Sing now, lift your voice and cry Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. Your hands and shout, awesome is a strong God, mighty is our God. Sing your way with us to the wilderness, faithful to provide every breath and deficit. Sing with us, with us in the wilderness. i 
You're the God who sits on the throne, but yet you're the God who stands right here in this very room at Metro Praise International. There is no other God but you. There is no one greater than you, King of Kings, and we honor you this morning. He is the great I am. There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other life but him. He is God Almighty. He is King of alone. Woo, hallelujah. He is the God who meets us here this morning. Lord, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Come on, just lift up your hands right now and just say, God, I love you. God, I love you. 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 Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. you are good. Oh, you are good. Oh, you are here right now. Oh, woo. the Holy Spirit is here and he is present and he wants to speak to you this morning and he wants you to open up your heart and to receive. He wants you to receive a word of life, a word that's going to sustain you. And just be open, just have faith, just a mustard seed of faith. And God wants to, God wants to transform your life. He wants you to know that He is close, that He is near to the brokenhearted, and that you are not alone. That He's always been there for you, that He's always been by your side. And He's wanting you to acknowledge Him. He's wanting you to know that it's all about Him. And it's not about just what you see right in front of you, but it's He's been leading you towards Him. So, Father, I just pray right now that those who don't know you, those who are far from you and who are doubting you, my King, that for there to be an, a mustard seed of faith that would arise and they would receive your word, that they would never be the same again. Oh, hallelujah, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Woo! Just praise them one more time. Woo! God is so good. worthy to be praised and adored. Why don't you greet your neighbor and find a seat? We're going to prepare right now to take communion. All the little kiddos, you're ready. You're, um, you can go with your teacher. Your Sunday school is waiting for you in the back. God is good. Woo, God is doing a new thing. He's always doing a new thing. We just have to be open and aware of what he's doing. But this morning, as we prepare to take communion, our ushers are beginning to pass out the elements. Go ahead and start opening it up. 
I just want to share the gospel with you. This is why we take communion in remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us. Amen? The Bible tells us that God left heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left heaven, left his glory to come into this world as a sacrifice for our sins. Because without him, there is nothing that could make our sin right before God. There is no amount of good work that we, you and I could do that could make us right before a living God. Amen? And I want to read the scripture to you that God really spoke to me this morning. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What does that mean? It means God Almighty Jesus Christ had everything in heaven. He had all the glory that he needed, and he did not need to come into this world to make a way for us. But he left his, his richness, all of his glory, and he took on flesh. He stripped himself of all of his glory so that us, through his poverty, we might become rich. Amen? So he came into this world so that he can exchange and give us his righteousness, the righteousness that only he could give us. And so this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you are poor in your sin. You are poor. You might think you're rich. You might think you have it together. And you have, you have your life going in the right direction. Your family is put. You have the right job. But in reality, you are poor. And the Bible says if you, can, if you say to yourself, I don't need God, I don't need him, then reality, like the Bible says in, Re in Revelations, you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked if you cannot accept the truth that you need Jesus Christ. Don't be poor this year in spirit. Don't be poor in your sin. Don't let the enemy rob you of the blessing that God has for you, and that is salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be saved. Be born again. Amen. Receive the life that Christ has for you. And right now, if you could just stand to your feet, we're going to take this in remembrance of this truth that we just said. I got it. Thank you. The Bible tells us in Luke 22, 19 through 20. He says, and he took bread. Everybody take your bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Jesus' body was given for us. The ministry that he had here on this earth, when he was going around, he was teaching, he was meeting with the poor, he was meeting with those who were called sinners, who were sinners. And he gave his body, and then it was beaten, it was bruised, and it was broken for us. He took the punishment that we deserved. And so today we take this in remembrance of him. We take this in honor of him. And so right now I want us to take it together as a church. If there's something in your heart that you want to repent of, that you want to get right between you and God, go ahead and do that right now as we take this communion together. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you that you gave your son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. That without him, there was no way. There was no other path to get to you. We thank you that because you were rich in grace, you sent Jesus, and he made a way for us. If there's anything in our hearts, those who don't know you this morning, 
those who are far from you, who've been backsliding, I pray that they would get right with you right now. I pray during the time of fellowship, dear God, that they would confess their sins to you, that they would receive the mercy and the grace that you have for them and never again turn to the things of this world. Never again turn to the things that are trying to steal their heart, that are trying to take the place in their heart, the place that belongs to you. We give you glory, we give you honor because you did strip yourself of all glory, Jesus, for us because you knew that you loved us and you saw the worth in us. So forgive us, Lord, if there's any sin in our heart that is not right before you. Forgive us of any hypocrisy, Lord God. Forgive us for being stuck in religion, dear God, because what you did on the cross, Lord, doesn't deserve that kind of treatment. So as we turn away from sin, dear God, we turn to you and we want to live the life, dear God, that is worthy of what you did on that cross for us. We thank you, Lord God, for, for giving your body for us in Jesus' name. And now we want to, amen, and now we want to take this grape juice representing Jesus' blood. Verse 20 says, and likewise the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Amen. Let's take the, the grape juice together. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much. Come on, let's give him glory right now. We thank you for the new covenant. We thank you, God, because it's by faith, dear God, and not by works that we are saved. Lord God Almighty, we give you glory and honor. We remember you this morning. We remember the sacrifice that was made for us. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And everybody said amen and amen. Give him some praise right now. He is good. And right now what we're going to do is we're going to recite our confession of faith. Our ushers are going to come around and they're going to take your little cups. Let's recite this together. This is our biblical worldview. This is what MPI stands on. We believe in this. And so let's recite this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Woo, God is good. If you need prayer, we have our prayer workers right over here on the side. Otherwise, greet your neighbor, meet somebody new, and welcome to NPI. Yeah.
be more excited than that who's excited to be in church for this new year come on it's so um it's such a blessing to be with you guys all here God is so good I know that we all had our ups and downs last year and we're believing God to keep moving in our lives for 2016 I still cannot believe it's 2016 but happy new year to you all may you guys be blessed with your families and let's keep going after God amen Welcome to Metro Praise International. It's wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces. All of our first time visitors, welcome, welcome. Keep coming back, invite more people. Our services here are every Sundays at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Uh, Sundays are our family service. We have King's Kids provided for your children in the back, infants who are 11 years old. And then every Friday we have Elevate, 7 p.m. every week for our teenagers. And it's for 11 to 18 years old. So if you're in that age group or know somebody in that age group, you have got to bring them here. This is where they got to be on Friday nights. Who's with me? Come on. Here at MPI, we have a vision, strategy, and goal. Say it with me. Vision, strategy, goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people right there in that beautiful red heart. Loving God, loving people is our vision. We do that with all of our heart. Our strategy is connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you through our life groups, mentor you through our 101 and 201 books, and then we want to send you out to do evangelism so that we can win more souls. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you get excited about that, say amen. Right now, we have an awesome video to show you. We have begun the new quarter of life groups for 2016. There's four quarters a year. This is gonna be for January, February, and March. So please watch this with excitement. We have the best leaders on the planet opening up their lives and homes to you. And this is how we want you to connect at MPI. want to let you know that we're so excited about this new year coming up and the new quarter of life groups and we would love for you guys to get connected and find a place to belong yes nancy and i are so excited about this new year 2016 god is going to make you and keep you crispy and clean the life groups are a great way to get life they're a part of our connect phase and our connect mentor send of our discipleship program you want to make sure to stay connected get connected and help your friends and family be connected we'll see you at life groups Hi everyone, this is Pastor Susie. I'd like to invite all the families to come to the church Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. for our Christian Boys and Girls Clubs. Every last Wednesday of the month we do Family Fun Night, so check us out on Facebook for more information. How's it going? I'm Pastor Jared here. I want to tell you about Evangelism Chicago for Jesus. Every Saturday at 5 p.m. we meet here at the church and then we go and hit the streets 
and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to our city. Come join us. Hi, my name is Pastor Lauren. This is Cynthia Rodon, and we are the leaders of the Single Moms Life Group. We meet every other Sunday at 5 p.m. Check us out on Facebook, and childcare is always provided. We get into the Word, we fellowship, come be a part of what God is doing in our life group. Hey everybody, it's Ricky and Rachel, and we lead the Marriage Life Group once a month at 5 p.m. here at Metro Praise International. We always have a great time, so we want to invite you to come and hang out with us. It's a new year, new beginnings. Come check us out. It's going to bless your marriage. We have childcare. Check out our Facebook. What's up, everybody? My name is Lawrence. This is Ulysses right here. We're leaders of the uh, Resistance Life Group here at Elevate. We meet up every first and third Tuesday of the month from 6 to 7.30 p.m. We have a great time of evangelism and fellowship. Come join us out. You'll love it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy 2016. We want to invite you to our adult Bible study. This quarter, we will be going through the Truth Project. That's right. We meet every single Friday at 7 p.m. at our place. Like us on Facebook. Go to NPR Bible Study. Hi, guys. We're Stephen and Carmen Ramos, and we lead the Righteously Redeemed Life Group every first and third Wednesday at our home for ages 11 to 18 years old. Meet us here at 6 p.m. for some food and fellowship, followed by the Word of God. See you there. Happy 2016, Metro Praise International. My name is Tony, and this is my wife, Jerry, and we are the Vivids. We're hosting Bible study at our house Friday nights at 7 o'clock. This quarter, we're going to be going over the Truth Project, so come and join us. Hi, I'm Robin Lopez. This is Cynthia. We lead up the Single Life Group. We meet every first Sunday of the month at 4 p.m. at 3719 West Byron. See you there. Hey, guys, this is Rudy and Nicole. We're leaders of the Ambassadors Youth Life Group. So if you're between the ages of 11 and 18, we meet every first and third Saturday of each month at Cynthia's house. Yeah, we're going to have fun getting into God's Word and have a lot of fellowship. Come join us. Hey, my name is Stephen Ramos, and I lead the Gang Ministry Life Group. If you have a calling and a heart to reach gang bangers for Jesus Christ and believe that God is greater than the violence in our city, then join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at my house. Look to your neighbor, give him a high five, say it's time to get connected. Look to your other neighbor, do the same thing and say, do it. All right, it's time to connect. In your handout, you'll see the whole schedule for the whole quarter. This is the way to connect. Here's this week, here's a snapshot of what's happening. We have this Sunday today, singles are meeting. Come on, single people. 18 to 35 years old, meeting at 4 p.m. Tuesday, we have the Resistance Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old. Excuse me, 18 years old, 6 p.m. at the church. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Youth, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. at the church. How many of you guys excited about Elevate rocking it out? Come on. Wednesday, King's Kids, infants who are 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. If you have children in that age group, you want them to be in these boys' clubs and girls' clubs for Jesus. Thursday, every week, gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. If you have a passion for that, meet with them there, please. And then Friday, we have uh, our two Bible studies, our two adult Bible studies, the Govea's Bible study, 18 years and up, every Friday, 7 p.m., meet them there. If you have not been faithful to any life group in this past year, make this your resolution. How many of you guys like New Year's resolutions? Here is your new, new Year's resolution for 2016. Connect. Life groups. Pick one. Be faithful. Let it meet the needs of you and your family. And then the Vivids, come on, they're rocking it out. They're also going to be having one on Friday for 18 years and up at 7 p.m. So we are so excited about what God has done 
and what God is going to continue to do. So get connected. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201. The 101 book is Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through that book to help you live for Jesus, get into your life, encourage you, because you are not meant to live for Jesus by yourself. Get mentored. There's leaders all around. They're going to be on you like a piranha. Okay, and so you put a restraining order against them because they want to do the 101 with you. So you live for Jesus. And then we have our 201 class. That book is called Disciples That Make Disciples. We have a Sunday morning class with Pastor Jared and a Thursday evening class with Pastor Ellie. So get mentored. Then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. We have evangelism every Saturday from 5 to 8. This is your training ground. If you want to be a Marine for Jesus, you got to be there. There's evangelism happening in all the life groups. But this is where you want to go. Go onto the streets with, these, with this team, with Pastor Jared and all those guys and girls that are so fired up for Jesus and learn how to do it. That's where you get trained. Get bold. Face your fears. Learn how to tell people about Jesus and to defend your faith. And so that's what we have going on at MPI. We have a vision, a strategy, a goal, a vision to love God, love people, connect through life groups, get mentored through 101, send you out in evangelism. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. May get a hoorah. Woo, come on. We're going to go after it in 2016. We're going to win this city for Jesus. Those murder rates are going to go down. Our high schools are going to experience revival, okay, because we're going to bring it to the streets. God didn't call us to just stay in these four walls. He told us to go. So who's ready to go? Come on. We want to talk about our tithes and offerings. God has been faithful in so many areas of our life, all of the areas in our life, and we got to do that in return. So we believe very much here at MPI that the Bible teaches to be givers of tithes and offerings. A tithe is 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. Missions offering and building offering is where we designate uh, the offering to go, two different places. Missions we give to various mission projects throughout the year. Thank you for your faithfulness in that. And this year we have our building offering fund that's going to help us build, uh, purchase new band equipment, which I'll get to in just a second. If you could turn with me, please, to your phones. You could go to givingbook.org. We're going to get to our lesson today that teaches us how to be faithful in tithe and offering. Pastor Joe wrote this book, Disciples Giving Book to teach us how to be faithful, to challenge us, how to put God first in our finances. It's a 52-lesson book for every week out of the year. So here it is. This is the first one out of the year. We went through it all last year, and now we're going to do it again. Lesson one of section one, the tithe was implied with Cain and Abel. The definition of tithe is 10% of our total income given to God right, uh, faithfully. Somebody say faithfully. We're going to read in Genesis 4, 3 through 7. You can follow along on the screen. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Somebody say favor. That's what I want. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. 
It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. That's pretty serious. Let's look at the three main points of that uh, passage of scripture. Number one, God judges what we offer to him. God judged both offerings on a standard that must have been known to both of them in advance. Most likely the standard of giving was similar to the tithe, which was probably given to Adam by God and passed down, verses 4 through 5. So they knew the standard. They knew what God expected of them. Cain didn't follow that standard. Abel did. And that's why God looked with favor on Abel. He brought the best. Cain brought his leftovers. Number two, everyone can do right. God clearly tells Cain that if he does what is right, this implies keeping the giving standard like the tithe, his gift will be accepted. How many of you guys want your gift to be accepted? To be looked upon with favor, we got to do what is right. Number three, don't let sin rule over you. The opposite of doing what God commands is sin, even when it comes to giving. Thus, we are to be obedient to his standard of giving. Verse seven, here's a summary. The very fact that Cain's offering was rejected and Abel's was accepted implies a standard like the tithe from the time of Adam and Eve. Here's the application. Number one, resist the temptation to sin and withhold the tithe from God. Another New Year's resolution. If you have not been able to be faithful in giving your finances to the Lord, do it today. Start now. Do not withhold it from the Lord. And number two, be a tither. Always give God your best with your first fruit. Let's confess this on the count of three together over our life, over this new year, that we would be blessed beyond measure in the abundance of what the Lord has for us as we remain faithful to him. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Amen and amen. Please stand up to your feet as we prepare to give the Lord our very best. Again, Metro Praise believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income. And we designate our offerings towards missions and building. And I just want to keep reminding you to be very clear on the envelope. Make sure that there is a specific amount in each section, tithe, missions, building, so that it could be allocated properly and so that it could go to where it needs to go. And so here's our building fund for this year. We have the new band equipment. Oh, really quick before I get into that, four ways to give. How many of you guys noticed the new slides? You guys noticed the new pictures? Aren't they cool? Here we go. Four ways to give. In the bucket during the offering, right over here, right over here. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. If you do not know where the uh, drop boxes are, you could ask one of our ushers. They're in the back there on the brick wall. Number three, in the back with the credit or debit card. You could see me or Pastor Griselda before or after service. And number four, online with Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, Bill Pay at www.met. Uh, mpichurch.org forward slash giving. All on your own, super easy. We make this very convenient for you. Here's our building fund for this year. New band equipment. Give it up if you love to worship. You like to listen to some good stuff. So we want you to continue to pray. Ask God to give you an amount to give and be faithful to do it. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him talk to you. This is a relationship thing. This is not a pastor beating you over the head and telling you what to give. It's you and Jesus. Listen and then give and give generously and be faithful throughout the whole year because God has done amazing things as you're going to hear in just a little bit. So we believe when God's church comes together, stuff gets done. All right? 
Here's the new verse that we have for the year. I'm going to read it really quick before we recite it together. Philippians 4:18. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Isn't that powerful? So that's our new verse for the year. We're going to declare it over our life. So let's do it together, starting with and on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your blessings, your faithfulness, your goodness. I pray for favor and increase and prosperity over your people. I thank you, Lord, for faithful tithers and givers to your kingdom. I pray, Lord God, that they would be blessed to be a blessing, that they would overflow, that they would not have room enough to receive all that you have for them. I pray that they would be faithful, O God, that their offering would be accepted and looked upon with favor. In the mighty name of Jesus, use Metro Praise, God, to reach Chicago, to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel, that souls will be saved, that revival would come, and nations, God, would be shooken up by the power and glory of God in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen please come forward as you give thank you so much for your support and generosity are ready for the 2015 review make some noise amen you know it has been an awesome year and i want to tell you guys all about it so that we can go on into 2016 and be crispy and clean if you're ready say i'm ready wonderful so let's look at what god did in 2015 metro praise is an organized church based on discipleship so the first thing that we're going to look at is our disciples. And by the way, you can get this on our website or Facebook page, everything that I'm looking at right now. We averaged 139 disciples this past year. Let's give it up for Jesus. 
Elders are in the blue below. Uh, deacons are the next one because the elders are the foundation of our church. Then deacons are in the red. Then the 201 in the green. 60, uh, and then the purple, we have the uh, 101s. This has been amazing. Our peak was in September. The fall is normally a great time for us. We had as high as 155 disciples. Isn't that awesome? The average was 139. Here's our attendance, 2015 with two services starting week. We started in April, so it really helped our attendance go up. We averaged 201 people in both of our services. Give it up for Jesus. Amen. Here you see in the blue last year's numbers, and there you see in the red, there was never a time that we dipped below what we had last year. You could see 2014's numbers tracking alongside of 2015. April and Easter, 219 was our monthly average, taking every week there with the Easter service. And then in November, we had a great service, and, and also with the, uh, the All Nations Dinner having a 219 peaking out for that month. And then last month, we had 213, setting a record for a one-time service, the Christmas talent show had 286 people. That was a record. Give it up for Jesus for that. Amen. You guys are awesome. Then when you put it all together, disciples are up 30% from last year. 107 disciples average in 214 to 139 in 2015. That's 32 added in discipleship. Attendance was up 35% from an average of 149 last year in 2014 to 201. That's up 52 people, our biggest growth year ever in attendance. And over 90% of you, 9 Nine out of 10 of you are in discipleship. Nine out of 10 of you are in these numbers. That is unheard of. That is not just one of the best. We are the best in discipleship in the nation that I know of. Find another one, and I'll stop saying that, but we are the best numerically proven to be true. Amen? Somebody's got to be the best. Don't hate on Michael Jordan. Join his team. Amen? Somebody's got to be the best out there. Don't hate. Celebrate. 11 life groups ranking from the most attended on down. 11 life groups this past year. All of them did amazing. Wednesday Kings Kids meeting weekly had a high of 168 at the Christmas party they just had, averaging 63 a week. Thank you for all those who make that awesome. The marriage group had a high of 39 when we did the financial seminar, 37 at their Christmas dinner, and averaged 20. 27. Thank you, married couples. The Goiveas Bible study had a high of 29, average 21 per week. The singles had 27 and one of their outings and an average of 17. The number one Elevate youth group is Righteously Redeemed, meeting bi-weekly, high of 25 with an average of 17. The resistance with Brother Lawrence, L Dog, 21 with the average of 14. Evangelism had a high of 20, averaging 13. The Walker's Bible study, 20 with an average of 11 single moms, loving our single moms, a high of 15, averaging 11. The ambassadors started midway through the year, did great with a high of 11, averaging 9. And the gang outreach, which is once again unheard of in this city, having a high of 5, averaging 5. Amen. On a monthly average, 208 people attend MPIs, 11 life groups per month. 
208, a variety of life groups. If you're not in one, join one. Life groups range from ages infant to adult, gang outreach to marriage class, and weekly to monthly meetings. That means overall 104% participation in our life group. That means more people are coming to life groups than due to our services. Isn't that awesome? Give it up for Jesus. God is good. Join a life group if you haven't already. Elevate with Pastor Ellie and Pastor Lilani had a high of 92 with a weekly average of 58. 50 plus teenagers every Friday meeting for Elevate. They have 19 in the 101 and 3 in the 201. That's a part of those numbers we were looking at before in discipleship. Life groups, over 40 students are in those three different life groups we looked at. And 75% of the teenagers in Elevate are in discipleship. That is the best of the best. God is awesome. Amen. We can see some of the ministry highlights from 2015. SUM is always going strong, having more than 10 students a year. La uh, this year, 2000, uh, last year, 2015, we graduated three with their BAs, one with their masters, and now Pastor Jared is actually teaching in the Bible College. We baptized 29 people and did two ordinations for 13 deacons. Here you see some of the highlights of our graduating class that we had with some of the leaders. All 29 of our baptismal candidates. Some of you are here today. Isn't God awesome? And then you can see here all of the uh, 11 or no, how many? How many? 14? 13. Thank you. 13 deacons that aren't deacon around but are serving God and being awesome for Jesus. Amen. Now let's get into the shekels. We brought in $231,779.69. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? And we spent $220,249 for the glory of God. And we are in the surplus of $11,579.20. You can see that I have also on that Facebook post that I have given you guys, uh, if you check out the blog, I have the entire budget profit and loss for the year. You can go through and see all that we spent our money on. It's in a PDF file. If you don't have it, uh, you know, just ask one of us in the back. We'll Facebook it to you. But it's so easy. Just go to mpichurch.org, and you'll be able to see all of our numbers. One of the things I want to tell you is that Nancy and I were blessed this year with $78,000. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for blessing your pastors? Amen. We are not ashamed to tell you what we make. The church has allotted for us $100,000. That's well uh, within our average as a church, within what we do and give to the church, $50,000 apiece. We always take under until the church can handle it in its budget. I would rather have money in the surplus and then a new car in the garage. Amen? But those are, are the details. You can go back and look at those. If you have any questions, we'll love to help you out. And then your end-of-the-year giving reports will be coming next week. And so I want to thank you personally, my wife, and I want to thank you for an awesome year. We know that you work hard to give. We know that every dollar counts, adding up to that large amount that we got to do for God. And we don't take lightly our salary. We don't take lightly what we do. We want to work hard for you in this church. We want to work hard for some of our pastors. We were able to scholarship Jared getting his master's. We gave some shekels to him. We're able now to cover the cell phone bill for uh, for the Goiveas. We're going to start adding on to their salary as our salary goals are met with health insurance. And so once again, we want to thank you. Can I hear an amen? 
Amen. Here are some highlights. We raised over $18,000 for a new van and sign. Didn't have to beg. We just asked and people gave. Amen. We raised over $3,100 for missions, local and abroad. And together we gave over $22,000 to love people last year with the gospel. $22,000. If you go back to this, you will see how we have given a lot of that money away. $22,000 of it was given away. Let me just give you an example here of, of uh, some of the wonderful things that we were able to do. And you can find it here on the, the list. You can see our budget and everything. Here we go. Let me go up to this next one here. Let me go up here. Where is this? Why is you getting stuck on me, you bad boy? You bad, naughty thing. You know, these things get naughty sometimes. Don't they get naughty? Okay, here we go. This number right up here. This number right up here. Let me get here to be bigger. Okay, we gave, here we go, $9,000, $9,000 to community events and, and nonprofits. Oh, no, let me see here. We gave $9,000 to nonprofit organizations. So that means when we gave to Jim to do those outreaches to the um, to the persecuted church, when we give money to help support Raven Team and Mardi Gras, $9,000. We gave $7,000 to our community events like Bodiqua Fest, $2,900 on mission trips, $1,200 gifts to members to help them when they were in need, $1,178 to help pay for bills and different things. And then uh, we also gave a gift to somebody, a flower or something for a funeral. But isn't that amazing? $22,000 for missions here and abroad. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. Don't hate, celebrate. Well, I like some of that money, Pastor. Well, go get you a job. Amen. And then give to the church so that we can give more. To, amen. <laughs> Praise God. You got you to work hard to get it. Amen. How many are working hard to give what they got? Amen. And we budget that. We take that very seriously. We do. We take it very seriously. And so we want to thank you for that awesome support. Here's the sign coming 2016. We're right at the end of the permit process. We've gotten the permission of the aldermen. We are now downtown, and it's soon to come here. Amen. Everybody's getting their pay. Everybody got to get their money. And then we got that van in the back. Can I get a whoop whoop for the van? Amen. So here's where that surplus is. Uh, we have the $7,508 sitting in our mission budget for the trip that we have coming to the Philippines in March. So that's already been designated towards our supplies and different things. Building offering, we have the basically $4,000 waiting to pay off the rest. We gave them a half uh, up front, going to pay off the other half when it gets done. And so our savings account, just expendable money for us, is really only $300. So if you have more than $311.88 in your savings, account. You have more than Metro Praise. And so we have used the money and spent the money. And the good thing, there's more money. Isn't that, a, I got good news and bad news. How many want to hear the good news? There is more money to come. Amen. You want to know, you want to know the bad news? It's in your wallet right now. Amen. That's the bad news. So there's more money to come. That's the good news, but the bad news is you're holding on to it right now. So you got to give it up. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. So here's our goals for 2016. Here they are. They're very simple. We want to have 168 disciples. Amen. We want to bring up our average at least another 25 disciples. We averaged around 140, 139 this year, uh, 2015. We want to now average 168. We want to bring up that average of attendance from 201 to 250. How many think we can get a 250? 
and both services. We want to get that new band equipment. And then we do want to save 10000 in savings. It's good to have some money in savings so we don't get nervous if we have a slow month. And then we're believing God for that awesome mission trip in the Philippines that's already been paid for. Amen. Pastor Ellie will be leading that up. And so you guys have heard about that band uh, equipment fundraiser. So just be, you know, kind and, and, and generous and think about what God has done for you. And we know that you'll give as you always have. And here, as you guys always hear us announce, 50 campuses, 50 campuses. Do you ever wonder what a 50 campus is going to look like? Well, here I just want to give you a taste of the dream. This is what one of the 50 campuses will look like holding 2,000 disciples. And I want to give it up for Elliot Schwartz for making this many years ago. And so the vision hasn't changed. We want 50 like this, not one like this. We don't want to be a mega church. We want to be a denomination of mega churches. Amen. I don't want to just have one guy behind the pulpit. I want to have a hundred men of God on fire who fear nothing but the Lord and will change the world. Amen. And so here, and in the next few years, what we'll be doing is building smaller campuses. I think maybe one of our strategies will be to get 50 established first, and then we'll start building larger campuses after that. So this is certainly not our goal right now. I don't want to go from here to a bigger place. This will be here, this campus, until Jesus comes back. I just want to get another campus on Fullerton, another campus on North. Hello, I want to give all these. I want to give Walgreens a run for their money, and then I want to build them out and then take over with the Catholics own, amen? Because you look at them Catholic churches, they got all this and then some, don't they? I want to take them all over. I want to give the Catholics a run for their money in Chicago, amen? I've been messing with them long enough. It's time for us to take over some land, amen? It's time for Father Tom to give it up, amen? You either join the revolution or you get plowed over, Father Tom. Just hand over the keys right now to St. Viders. Hand over those keys in Jesus' name, Amen. And so here's where you can see what a, what a campus would look like. It's going to have sanctuaries. See, my goal is that when we get to 50, that our sanctuaries never really get much bigger than this. Imagine going to a church that has the movie theater style. So when you walk in, there's multiple small services going on at the same time. So you're never a part of a church that has more than 200 seats. Wouldn't that be a good idea? So you're a part of a church that's meeting with 2,000 disciples in a location but there's always just 200 seats, like a movie theater. Wouldn't that be awesome? See, that's one of what's going to separate us because we believe in that. Also, sanctuaries, we want to have a school, K through 12, SUM Bible College, community services, things that Pastor Lauren is leading up right now, a recreational center and food court. I'm talking bowling alleys. I'm talking everything, real movie theaters. I want to be able to have something that gives people the opportunity to say, I want to be here and spend my money here and be here instead of out in this world. You understand? So we have a goal to basically have a little strip mall right there for people and then have a free gym and I just believe that God's going to do this amen we started with nothing in our house and now we're here today and I believe before I meet Jesus we're going to see these campuses springing up and taking over the world because God come on somebody gave us a vision which is the heartbeat of this thing to love God and love people and he told us to connect mentor and send and if we did he would give us a hundred thousand disciples not church attendees not choir singers, not people who show up and just applaud the pastor on Sunday, but 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe it, can I hear you say amen? Amen and amen. Open up your Bibles with me now. Open up your Bibles with me now to John chapter 15 as we start our new sermon series, Chosen. Everybody say Chosen. 
I want to talk to you today about being chosen. It is a new sermon series built around what God has called us to do. John chapter 15 in verse 12, after Jesus taught them about abiding in him and the parable of the vine and the branches, he continued on and these are the things that he said. In verse 12, he said, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Somebody say, I've been chosen. Amen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And so you see after the Abide series, Jesus is talking. All of us desire to be chosen. All of us want to be accepted by those who love us, by people who care about us, especially our family. The same is true with our relationship with God. No matter the religion, think about it, if somebody today says they believe in God, they want to be chosen by that God and accepted by their creator. Sadly, even many today in the Christian church don't understand, though, what it means to be chosen by God. In some cases, people think that God just randomly chooses people to love and some to hate. That's the false doctrine of Calvinism, taught by John Calvin out of the Reformation that broke away from the Roman Catholic Church. He taught that God in his own sovereignty picks and chooses who will believe and who will not. And yet on the other side, other people wrongly believe that they have to earn God's love as if, as if they were earning reward points from their credit card. You ever see those credit card commercials, I'm earning my points, what's in your wallet? That's Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholicism offers you no assurance of salvation, but just a works-based religion. Pray this way. Do this thing. Keep doing this, and maybe you'll get in, or you might trip, miss heaven, and end up in purgatory for a little while. You see, both the passive fatalist, that person who says, oh, it's all in God's hands, and the aggressive, superstitious person are both wrong. So whether you're superstitious thinking I have to do all of this to earn my salvation or I'm just going to sit back and let God do it are both wrong. You see, what Jesus was teaching us is that God invites us all to be chosen. I want you to get that in your heart today. God invites us all to be chosen. He doesn't choose on your works. He chooses on your faith. You'll see that in a moment, but God invites all to be chosen, but only those who respond to his love and faith are in fact chosen. Do I have any people here that have faith? Therefore, I pray today that you're going to accept his calling. Now, I want you to look at this passage for a few key things that Jesus was talking about. The first thing in John 15, 12 is that we realize that we are called and chosen for love. Look at what he says here in verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Do you know that you cannot love anyone else greater than your revelation of the love of God? 
You cannot love anyone else greater than you love yourself. Jesus chose you for love, and so you first have to accept his love and accept it personally and love yourself. With that revelation of God's love and love of self, you now can love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that something? It's remarkable. So many Christians miss that. They think that they can treat others better than they treat themselves, but that's really not true. As a matter of fact, in marriage, the Bible says that the husband's direct correlation of how he treats himself will be seen in his wife. Now, if I love my own flesh, as it says, I will love her and do no harm unto her. And so when people say that I prefer others above myself. That is a Christian nobility. It's great to prefer others above yourself, but you'll have no concept of what it means to love until you can know that God loves you and you love yourself. Otherwise, what you're giving is simply little social politeness, and you're doing things that you think is love, but it's not true love. You can only love people to the revelation of the love you have of God and for yourself. Does everybody understand that? You are chosen for love. So when somebody says, man, I hate myself, but I love you, that is not true love. The love that they think they have for that person will eventually let that person down. The greatest lover that you'll ever have as a husband or wife or a parent to a child or to a child back to the parent is the person who truly loves God and loves themselves, that knows that I've been loved by God, that I am valuable, and from that relationship, I can give love. So the question that we should stop and ask ourselves right now is, do you know? Know that God loves you, and do you love yourself? Not in a prideful, vanity way. See, that would not be love. That would be vanity. That would be not love. That would be a false love. But do you love yourself? Do you love yourself as God loves you? I want you to see that before we go on because many of you do not understand this. This is my command that you love each other as I have loved you. And so has Jesus loved you? Are you loved? Then from that you love each other. But if you say, I don't know that he loves me, then you'll never be able to truly love somebody else. Now, I want you to see how this plays itself out. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, verse 14. Matthew chapter 22, verse 14 is going to help us understand this dilemma that both Roman Catholics and Calvinists get confused, which is how does God choose? Does he choose based on good works, or does he simply choose based on his own sovereignty? Look with me to Matthew chapter 22, verse 1, and you'll see that it's actually neither. It's actually neither. God alone does not possess the choice, and man is not trying to earn the choice. It's a parable, so you've got to pay attention. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and onward. Jesus spoke to them again in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like this, a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his son's servants to those who have been invited to the banquet. Everybody say invited to the banquet. This is very key for you to understand how this operates. His servants were sent to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they what? They refused to come. Did God refuse them entrance? No, they had an invitation, but they refused to come. Whose invitation was it? The king's, or in this example, God's, right? But whose choice was it to refuse? 
the people. Are you guys with me? There we go. Now verse 4. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited, everybody say invited, that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered. How many are excited to have some oxen and fatted cattle? Amen. I see a lot of you have been going to Fogo de Chao and then not the New Year right. I like to start the New Year right at Fogo de Chao. My birthday is January 19th, and that's my favorite place. And I can't wait to get some oxen and cattle from them beautiful Brazilian men coming around, serving up them tasty delights. Yes, sir. Here's uh, my, my card is on green. My oxen and fat and cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. How many already know? How many already know where Jesus is going with this parable? Some of you do, right? But we'll keep going for those. It's a, you know, it's new for you. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. So they actually get so mad they're invited to a party that they actually kill the servants inviting them. Verse 7, the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. Did they get a party? They got no party. They got their cities burned down, didn't they? Everybody say God is real. Amen. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Everybody say invite anyone you find. Okay. So the servants went out into the streets, gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed the man was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked him, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And here is the key now from the parable. For many are invited, or many are called, but few are what? Chosen. And you can see in the King James Version, there it has many are called. So it's the same idea. Many are called, many are invited, but only a few are chosen. Now get this understanding of the parable. Jesus said there was a king. He's throwing a wedding for his son. He tells his servants to go out and invite all of his friends. The friends don't want to come. They don't listen. They even kill some of the servants, and then he kills them and destroys their towns and cities. He then says his servants, go out into the highways, the byways, invite the bad, the good, and the ugly. Tell them all to come in. And then they start coming in and then he notices that someone is there but not dressed appropriately for the wedding and then casts him out into darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the explanation, my friends, of the parable. Jesus came to earth because the Father has been inviting the world through the Jewish people to his wedding banquet. But the Jewish people rejected Jesus, crucified him, and therefore he allowed them to be destroyed or from partial, uh, partial destruction as a people, but total annihilation of their city Jerusalem in 70 AD. Then he sent out his apostles into the world to invite the good, bad, and the ugly and look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. And then one day we will be judged on whether or not we have appropriately prepared ourselves for that wedding. If we have not done what has been asked of us, we will not have been chosen even though we were invited. The man was invited, but he wasn't dressed properly, so he wasn't chosen to stay. 
Are you getting something here from what Jesus was talking about? Here's where we get this famous statement. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Moving past the illustration to the Israelites, now looking at the invitation going worldwide to the bad, good, and the ugly, we see that God's servants are out preaching the gospel. The open invitation to spiritual salvation goes out to everyone, the many. However, relatively few respond to that invitation, turn from their own way and follow Christ. Those who do are chosen to inherit the kingdom, responding to God's gracious invitation by the free exercise of their free will or our free will, making us a part of God's chosen people. So I want you to see this. You're invited to be chosen. Think of it like this. Imagine if my daughter was having a birthday party this Saturday, and I said, everyone here at the church is invited, but only those who come will be chosen to ride on the horse. You see, if you don't come to my daughter's birthday party, you cannot be chosen to ride on the horse. You have to respond to the invitation. How many get that? You have to be responsive. You have to take it in your own initiative to come to the party. Now, let's say I add just one caveat, as was seen in the wedding parable. I said, my daughter Bethany has a birthday party. Everyone is invited, and only those who wear a silly birthday hat of any kind, just a birthday hat, a little kind that you can get at Burger King or at a party store, those will be chosen to ride the horse. Now you see the example in its fullest. Jesus is saying the world is invited, but all those who come must come in faith, and that faith must produce good fruit, good works. Those are the ones chosen to be in the end with his son, Jesus, at the wedding feast. That's pretty deep. I think that gets an amen, amen? So you're invited, but have you been chosen? See, that's the question. Do you accept the invitation and the prerequisites that Christ laid out before you? You will not be able on judgment day to make an excuse, I was busy. Those people got their towns destroyed. You will not be able to make the excuse, but I had things to do with my family. Those people got destroyed. You will not simply be able to show up around the chosen, come to the party, and yet not have a cloth, a cloth of righteousness, good works upon you, because then you will be cast out. You could have come to church. You could have gone to a life group. But if you didn't allow Christ to clothe you with righteousness, you'll be out there weeping, gnashing of teeth with those who got their cities and towns destroyed. It's a real word to all of us, is it not? And so I want to encourage you with it and spur you on at the same time. So turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2, and look at how God first chose the Israelite people, and we're going to learn from their mistakes and hopefully be the Gentiles that accept the calling of God. Do you want to be a Gentile that accepts the calling of God? If the Jewish people didn't accept the invitation, are you going to accept it? That's what, Jesus, uh, that's what Paul said in Romans, that the Jewish people denied it, and it's worked out for our good because now the Gentiles have the fullness of the gospel and the opportunity to be saved. But let us look to their example, which the Bible says we ought to do. Look to Deuteronomy chapter 14. 
look at Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2. And look at God's nature of calling us to a special relationship with him. Remember, Jesus called us his friends and said he wants us to be in his life, not as a servant, but as a friend. Look at what uh, God spoke through Moses to the people. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 14, 2. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his what? His treasured possession. His treasured possession. God chose the Israelites to be that treasured possession. Going back to the time of Abraham, choosing Abraham out of Ur and the people of the Chaldeans and saying, I'm going to give you a promised land. You will be the father of not just one nation, but many nations, and they'll be blessed through you. And so here the nation of Israel is supposed to be the treasured possession that all the other nations run to to receive the glory of God. And yet, go with me quickly to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. We see that they did not take that invitation to be God's treasured people serious. They missed their time of visitation. Go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Now this man is looking back on the history of the Israelite people, saying, so as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared, this is God talking, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never see my rest. They're not coming to the wedding party. Look at verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, so that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So we're supposed to learn that God chose the Israelite people and they turned away from God. But now because of Jesus and the cross, Gentiles, non-Jewish people can be the friends of God. We can hear Jesus saying to us, come be my friend. Love others as I have loved you. Bear fruit for my kingdom. I chose you for this very purpose. I chose you to be my treasure. But do you want to be my treasure? You know, my wife is my treasure, the treasure of my life. But she could choose to leave me. She could choose to turn her back on me. She could choose someone else to be her treasure, but I thank God that she chooses me, not just once, but every day, with a heart of love and faith, because we don't know what the future holds, but she trusts the God who holds the future. We look to the Bible and we see that the Christian now can have what the Jewish person lost, and that means we can be the treasured possession of God. Remember in Deuteronomy 14, 2, God says to them only, the Jewish people, you're my treasured possession. Now go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, and you'll see now through Peter, he now begins to say that all of us in Christ are chosen to be those special people to be those holy people, a royal people. Look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9. If you're there, say, I'm there. It says, but you are a what kind of a people? 
a chosen people. Now he's talking to the Christians in general. A royal priesthood. That's why we don't need Father Tom, because there is a priesthood of every believer. Every believer can go directly to God. In the Old Testament, we needed the priests and the prophets, but in the New Testament, all of us are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Did you hear that before today? God's treasured possession. Now it's not just for the Jewish race. It is for the entire world. And as the Bible says also in Romans, if the hardening of their heart, of the Jewish heart, opens up to God, turns to belief, they will be accepted in very quickly and grafted back into the vine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that you look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Thank you, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Somebody say, God's invited me to be chosen. And what have I been chosen for, this first point that we're learning? I am chosen for love. I'm chosen to let God love me and me love myself. And then from that place of loving myself, I love my neighbor as I love myself. Turn with me now, lastly, to 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 makes it crispy and clean in 2016. Woo, come on. John 3.16 talks about God's great love through Jesus. John 3.16, listen as you're turning there. John 3.16 says, God the Father so loved the world that he gave Jesus that he would die on a cross, all of those things, but he gave Jesus that whosoever would believeth in him not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. But now look at 1 John 3.16, same author. One is a gospel, one is an epistle. The gospel tells the life of Jesus. This is a letter written to the Christians. John 3.16 talks about God's love. 1 John 3.16 talks about your love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence from God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to what? Love one another as he has commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. By the spirit he gave us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you were chosen for love. So, See, the first thing that we, we understand is that everybody's been invited. 
but only those who come are then chosen. And so the question is, are you coming to Christ today in faith? Are you willing to hear the invitation, repent of your sins and say, I accept you as my Lord and Savior? If and when you do, you are now chosen for love, not chosen to go out there and be in the rat race of Christianity to try to prove your love, not to go out and just do good works, ringing bells, you know, at Christmas time, like the Salvation Army. No, but first and foremost, you are chosen for love. Now, out of that love, out of that love comes the next thing that we see is friendship. And friendship does come with requirements. Every friendship that you're in has obligations to it, spoken or unspoken. If you're in a friendship with me, I'm going to expect you to be on time, right? You're going to expect me to be nice to you. Aren't those things that we expect from each other as friends? Don't we expect those things? In our friendship, there is a giving and receiving, a giving and a receiving. God is giving us the blessings of knowing him and being with him. We're receiving them and giving back to him a life of obedience. A life of obedience. You see, go back to this passage and look at it just simply. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. Do we have to do commands for God to love us? No, he loves us without us following any command. He invites the bad and the good. If salvation was based upon the invitation of only the good, would anybody have been invited to salvation? No, the only ones invited to salvation are sinners, my friends, right? But now that we've been invited and we're coming, we're supposed to come with a willing heart to do good works. We're supposed to come and say, I'm so excited to be God's friend that I will do the things that he wants me to do as his friend. So as your friend, you would want me to come on time. I should want to be on time. As your friend, I shouldn't post our conversations on Facebook after we hung out at Starbucks, right? If to be your friend means I don't hit on your wife, I should be a good friend then, right? And that's what Jesus is saying. I have chosen you for love, and I've chosen you for friendship, and this is how you'll know if you're really my friend is you'll do what I command. Any friends of God already in this place? It's okay to skip ahead in the message if you've already been here before, amen? But we're all learning today, aren't we? Go to Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, and see some of the friends of God. Look at Moses, a special man in the Bible. Not many like Moses. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, going quickly. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one would speak to a friend. And then go quickly here to where the Bible says about Abraham and James 2.23. Abraham was the special person that God picked out to be the father of the Israelite people. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. What did he do? He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. And then you go to verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. You see, the kind of faith that Abraham had was not faith without works. It was faith with works. Some of you say, I'm God's friend, but yet you don't keep his commandments. You have an unbiblical faith. It's a really not a faith at all. It's make-believe instead of real believing. 
You see, faith of God, or friends of God, come by faith, not by works, but they produce good works. Don't get confused. Listen to it carefully. James declared that Abraham received the favor of God, not because of his religious works, but rather he became a friend of God by believing what God said to be true, by faith. Everybody say, by faith. Thus, afterward, he showed he was in reality God's friend by his obedience because without the working of his faith, it would have been dead. Faith without the works alone will not justify you, according to James. Therefore, go to John 15, verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 14, and then you can see Jesus right up here saying it simply, You are my friends if you do what I command, and I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Listen here. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So now we may say, you know what, Joe? I didn't know you didn't want me to be late when we went out to Borinquens, uh, you know. I'm sorry if I was a half hour late, you know. I didn't know. Or, or, Joe, I'm sorry if I didn't take off my shoes when I came into your house, man. I, I, you know, I was just being comfortable. Hey, but listen, with Jesus, we can't make those excuses because he says, everything I've learned, I've taught you. I've taught you. So if you're not acting like my friend, that's not on me because I've taught you how to act. So today... The choice is clear. Will you be God's friend? Will you accept his calling? And then lastly, look here to the third thing that we clearly see in this passage is that we are chosen to bear fruit. We're first chosen for love. We're secondly chosen for friendship. And then lastly, we're chosen to bear fruit. And you look at John 15, 16, and look how clearly it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. That means I initiated, I went after you. And specifically what this means is when Jesus called his disciples, he was calling Peter, not Peter calling him. When he was calling Paul, it was him calling Paul, not Paul calling him. When God called you, it wasn't you looking for God somewhere out there. God came looking for you. But as we've learned throughout this message, it's do you come? Do you want to be his friend? But he says, I've chosen you, and you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Doesn't that sound familiar? Because a few verses earlier, he was talking about abiding in him and bearing much fruit, bringing glory to the Father. And so we see that a part of our being called and chosen is chosen to bear fruit. And in our sermon series on Abide, we went through the kind of fruit that God wants us to have. He wants us to have fruit of the Spirit, a good attitude, a good maturity, a mature life, success in ministry. God wants all of you to take ownership in what's going to happen in the year ahead at this church. God wants you to have good works wherever you go. He wants you to work well at your job. Good works in your family and marriage. Good works in your community. God wants you to be a light in a dark place. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to pray for success this year. God wants you to say, Lord, it's my desire. See, look at that verse right there. It says that we can pray our desire. It says, and so whatever you ask will be given in my name. Are these for people who use and abuse God? No, these are for the friends of God who get that, that unlimited American Express black, black credit card. They're told, whatever you ask. Why? Because they're asking things according to the kingdom. Kingdom needs, not personal greeds, get answered in the kingdom, right? 
And then we see here that God wants us to have wisdom. Proverbs gives the importance of wisdom. And then James says anyone who lacks wisdom needs to ask for it. How many of you need wisdom in 2016? Amen. We need the wisdom of God. Would someone come to the keys, please? And so we see now making it personal. Everybody say make it personal. You've been invited to this church. And I believe God has invited you here. Some of you may just be here by happenstance, and maybe you need to hear the Lord calling you to another church. But I believe if you're here today and you've been coming from, for any time, this is a divine calling. It's a divine invitation. It's God saying, come, work with me, be my friend, love, and bear fruit. And so if those whom God has called to be planted at MPI Church, choose by faith to be God's loving friend, they'll be chosen to bear fruit as a disciple that makes disciple, disciples. And now we come to what God has called us to do. He's inviting everyone here to be a part of this, to start off this year doing what Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first the job that you have. No, 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 no. But seek ye first your weight loss program. But seek ye first a bonus. But seek ye first a new, no, no. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things are added unto you. And then you work with me, I work with you. You pray for my kingdom, I help build you on your job. You take care of my family, I take care of your family. You follow what I command to do here, I get others to follow what you command to do there. You take care of my business, I take care of your business. Kingdom business, number one. Starting in the church, I'm asking you to hear the calling an invitation of the Lord, and to come and be chosen. Come and be chosen. What does it look like? Well, it looks like sacrifice. It looks like people giving up stuff. You can't do this on your own. you got to have people work with you. When we look at what God did this last year, it's not what man did, it's what God did. Do you think it's any easier for people to be a disciple than it is for you? Don't be deceived, my friends. Each one of these people on the list count. Every elder that comes and says, I'll serve, I'll help, I'll stay late, I'll come early, I'll be a part of what God is doing here. They, my friends, are fruitful vines in the vineyard. Every deacon that says, I'll be a part of this vision, I'll serve here, I'll lead here, I'll give time here, I'll give resources here, fruitful in the vineyard of God. Every 201 student, every one of them right now, you here today, everyone that says, I'll read my Bible, I'll study, I'll listen to the teachings of this church, God says, let's bear fruit. Every 101 or every 51 of you, every 50 of you, God is saying, come on. I've called you. I've called you. This year we have a monumental task, and that task is to take on what God had told us to do many years ago.
A church is very unique to all kinds of organizations, which means today, if everybody said we don't do it, next week nobody would be doing it. It's not a government. It's, it's, it's not a forced thing. If all of you said next week I'm not showing up to do it, my wife and I would be here by ourselves. Metro Praise could die tomorrow. It's not promised to keep growing, to hit goals. Hello? But yet if everybody here said, I'll do it. I'll go with God. I'll go on this journey. I'll become a disciple that makes disciples. We can have 100,000. Why? Because all we need is a bunch of zeros to come to the one, the hero. There's one and then a bunch of zeros. Think of it like that. Jesus is the one and a bunch of zeros after him. I'm nothing without you, God. I'll be a disciple, okay? There's one. Okay, honey, I'll follow you. Okay, there's two. I remember sitting down with Ishmael many years ago, and he was a little dissatisfied at the church that he was in, and we were sitting at a Thai restaurant eating some food, and I said, bro, I don't know if you're ready for this, but this is what God told me to do. Laid out the same exact thing we're looking at right now, did I not? And he said, this is what I need and what I want. He said, I'm in. I'm in. That's what it is. It's saying, I'm here. Now let me just invite you to this church, but if this turns you off, let me now invite you to the church down the road. New Life Covenant will accept you next week into their membership. No offense against them, but they have their own vision. You don't like this, go there, because I don't want anyone here making excuses to not serve God. Go to Chicago Tabernacle. I invite you to go to Chicago Tabernacle if you don't want to do this. I invite you to Belmont Assembly of God, to Resurrection Life Church. I invite you to another church as your pastor if this is not what you want to do. Because you will not sit here and make an excuse and say, well, I'm just not called to do that, but I like the preaching. No, don't do it like that. Don't be in rebellion. Don't, 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 don't discourage your neighbor sitting next to you who's looking to you like as if you've been here longer. You're going to show them the way. No, I invite you. And if I don't see you next week, I'll just pray for you. Lord, bless New Life Covenant. Lord, bless Chicago Town. Bless them, Lord. Because there's 9 million people in this city. That means 8,900,000 don't belong to this. Though we invite everybody, but there's 100,000 who have been called to this. And they're going to come from the highways and the byways. They're going to say, man, I'm tired of church as normal. I'm tired of seeing just pristine pulpits with pimping pastors. I want to get on the streets and make disciples. I want to go out to Humble Park and change the world. I want to go to Wright College. I want to go to the high schools. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus in the gangs. Jesus in the community. Jesus. People who say, I'm tired of just being on a pew and stinking all the time. That's why they call it a pew. I want to get up and do something for God. And we'll teach you how to love God and love, you, love people starting with yourself. We'll teach you how to love yourself. We'll teach you how to love others. We'll teach you how to get excited about serving God. 
But what we can do is make you have faith and obedience to the friend that's closer than a brother. I can't make you do that. I mean, could, could you make me love my wife? I mean, you could help me. You could give me counseling. You could give me advice. But could you make me love her? At a certain point, if we were having a hard time and I was cheating on her, at a certain point, you'd probably just tell my wife, you'd just say, leave him. He don't want you anymore. And I think that so often we treat Christ's church like it's not important. But I'm telling you, you reject the church, you reject Christ. So find a good church. But this invitation is for you. I look around at this room and I want to cry because I know the stories of some of your testimonies and it blesses my heart so much. Some of you came from other churches, good churches, but God called you here, amen. We've sent some good people to other churches, amen. There might be some door greeter at Chicago Tab next week. How'd you hear about us? Well, my pastor sent me here. <laughs> he told me to come. Somebody at New Life Covenant, where'd you hear about it? Well, right down the road, pastor told me to come see you. <laughs> Praise God. We'll help build the city one way or another, the kingdom of God, because it's not just about this building. But I know there's stories in this place. There's testimonies in this place. There's, there's tears that have stained this altar because your lives have been changed. Weeping with you, crying with you, seeing God do great things. Let's take this next month to focus in on what God called us to do. Amen. This uh, next week, I'll talk about loving God. Next, the week after that, loving people. We're just going to take this whole thing on. And I pray that all of us at the end can say, man, I've been invited. And now I've been chosen. And I am chosen for love. I'm chosen for friendship. And I'm chosen to bear fruit. If that's you, would you stand up and give Jesus a hand clap of praise? We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. There's nobody else like you, Lord. Would you just worship him in, in your own way or pray in your own way and just thank him for the cross today? Thank him for loving you today. Thank, you for his, thank him for his friendship. Oh, God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this place today. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? Do you want to be a friend of God? Do you want to have a mutual love for him as he has for you? If you're not right with him, just repent of your sins right now. Say, Jesus, forgive me for doing the things I shouldn't do. Or if you've been away from God, say, Lord, I'm coming back to you. Do it personally today. For the rest of us who say, yeah, I'm in love with Jesus. I'm a friend of God. Will you check your heart and see if you've accepted the invitation to come and bear fruit in this church, to labor with the Lord? Because God is with his church, people. The church is his bride. He loves the church. He loves all the people that are here. He loves what we're doing. He corrects us. He changes us. But he loves what we're doing here. Ask him to give you a heart to love what God's doing here. Let us all look to our lives. Are we accepting that invitation? As you're praying, don't think it doesn't apply to me. One of the bad habits we have right now in the, in the church is pastors keep church hopping too. Members are church hopping and pastors are church hopping. A lot of people look for the next church, next thing. Man, you know what God told me to do here? He said, Joe, buy a burial plot, put your name on it. This is, this is it. There is no other place.
place to go. I'm a lifer. If you stop coming and came back, 10 years from now, I'll still be here. Maybe not at this exact location. We may have Pastor Ellie pastor in this location. But I'll be here loving God, loving people. Can you say that? Can you say, God, no matter what, I'm here, you know? Unless this church tries to start having us drink funny Kool-Aid and wife swapping, unless they start teaching false doctrine, God, I'm called here. Unless the pastors start hitting on my wife, God, I am called here. I trust you here. I want to bear fruit here. Come on, every generation has a choice. What are they going to do with God's friendship? Every person has a choice. What are you going to do? I want to be a part of a generation that changes the world. Don't you want to see what it looks like for a thousand disciples to hit Bodequa Fest? Don't you want to see what it looks like to have a thousand teenagers as disciples? Aren't you curious to what it looks like to have a, a school that teaches the principles we're teaching? I mean, I know other churches have done it, and that's a great expression, but God's bigger than just one expression. Don't you want to see what's changed your life change others? I take it seriously. And I pray you do too because when, when, you, when you put prayer requests up on your page and for your job and your family, I take that serious. I hope you're taking the seriousness of the church today. Lord, we love you. And we commit our lives to you. And Lord, we want to be chosen to bear fruit in this church. In your precious name. Can everybody say amen? Can you look up at me before we go? We're going to clap really loud because we're excited. But I just want to let you know before you go, these prayer workers are here because some people come from other churches with a lot of hurt. Would you let us pray for you? Some of you have been hurt by this church. Let us pray for you. Some of you were hurt in 2015 by family members, friends. Let us pray for you because hurt people will only hurt people, but healed people will heal people. And so I believe as we start this journey, we got to get rid of hurt and bitterness. If it's been us, if it's been a relationship, if it's been another church, whatever it is, just clear it out the way so that that heart can be pure for God. Because that's the heart of what we do, right? Loving God, loving people. But I can only love my wife as much as I know that God loves me. That will be deep for a lot of you. I'm telling you, I'll bet you have to say that a lot more this series because it is so true. When I know that God loves me, I treat her right. When I'm not doing good with God, I'm not doing good with her. Hello, and I'm not doing good with my kids. Can you hold somebody's hand as we get ready to dismiss here today? I love each and every one of you. Rudy, would you pray for us today, one of our new deacons? Oh, God, we thank you for the vision, God, of Metro Praise, God. We thank you that you have a plan for Chicago, God, that your plan is not over, God, and that you would use each and every one of us, God, that we would grow in discipleship, God, that we would grow in our knowledge of you, God, and our selflessness and as our, as our, as our duty, God, as disciples in Chicago. I pray that your spirit would fall, God. I pray that we would be disciples eager to make disciples and accomplish the mission that you've given us, Lord. I pray that we would all be blessed as we enter this new year and get closer to you and fall more more in love with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's bless him. Slap your neighbor high five and say, I'll be coming to your house for lunch today. Have a great day. If you need prayer, come up. We'll see you in the glory. Have a great week. If you need prayer, come on up. Or if you want to worship, let's hang out with Jesus. 
our best friend. in the heat of the day with their tattered armor with their sword already stained with the enemy's blood I see the sweat dripping down their brow but their courage comes from the love they have for each other they will live and die with each other on the battlefield soldiers unto death warriors unto the Lord and there they let out a battle cry. They lift up their voices. Come on, they shout out all. Oh, oh, oh. And they beat their chest. Oh, oh, oh. 
and they prepare themselves for war because the battle's not over yet. And they start to run with their swords glistening in the sun. Every corner, to every school, to every community. 